what was the longest time you ever waited for something? The longest time. Anybody have a super long time? Maybe you waited for something. Anybody? What was the super long time? Eight months. Longer than eight months? Oh, yeah. How, how long? About 22 years. 22 years and still going. Amen. God is faithful, and that's what we're going to talk about. Anybody, you've been waiting for something still for more than 22 years. I feel like, a, feel like I'm uh, an auctioneer. More than 22 years. Anybody. That's a long time, right? But God is faithful. You know, we, we, we wait for things for months, years. Sometimes it's just days, and we, we just feel like oh, these days are taking way too long, because sometimes maybe we're not feeling good, and one day feels like an eternity till we feel better. But there's things we wait for all of our lives, right? We, maybe it's short amounts of times, maybe a couple weeks or a few months, or maybe years, or maybe, maybe you're still waiting for it, and, and you know, you're just like, well, one of these days, right? One of these days, we don't know. But one of these days it'll happen. I believe that sometimes it's it's even, you know, the, the, the small things that, you know, whether it's good things we're waiting for or not great things, you know, maybe you've been waiting all week for the weekend, right? You, you, Monday morning you got up and you're like, is it Saturday yet, you know? And then, then you finally get to Saturday and then, and then Sunday night comes and you're like, man, that was fast. Tomorrow is Monday again. That's only if you struggle with your job, which I love my job, so thank God for that. But God blesses us with jobs. Whether we necessarily care for them or not, God blesses us with those, so be thankful. So in that waiting, sometimes it gets very frustrating, very difficult, and we just just get overwhelmed sometimes with, with wishing it would come long, like sooner. Um, and I believe the whole Bible is a picture of people waiting. And as we know, it's Christmas, so, so we're talking about Jesus and the Messiah in the manger, the Christ child. In Isaiah 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Mighty, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on, the, on David's throne and over his kingdom established and over uh, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Amen. And that's what we celebrate in December. The Christ child has come, he was born in a manger, and we're so thankful. And, and there's so many things we're hoping for, just like when Isaiah wrote this, when, when God spoke to him, he was hoping for something more, and, and God, God filled him with this, with this wisdom, with his understanding of, there's coming one day a Prince of Peace, an everlasting Father. He's coming, he's coming, but it takes some waiting. It's easy to lose heart when we wait so long. Because if you really think about when Isaiah was written versus when Jesus was born, it's a long time between there. And we're going to talk about this idea of a long time. And so our perspective of a long time may be very different for all of us. Maybe if you're, you know, 17, 18, long time is eight months. And amen, I, I agree. That is a long time, but sometimes when you're 70, 80, a long time may look more like 60, 70 years. Perspective. But I believe that in the waiting, we must not lose hope because God is always faithful. Just like he said, God is always faithful. And the Bible is an amazing picture of God's faithfulness, even though there was a long, long wait. So I believe that, that we can see this, this picture of Jesus all the way back in Genesis. So 
if you're going to follow along, we're going to go through essentially the whole Old Testament. So get ready. So I believe that, that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, so, so we know the story of Genesis chapter 3, right? So the story of Genesis chapter 3 is Adam and Eve sinned, God came, found them, and now God is cursing man, woman, and the serpent. And it says, so the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So Genesis chapter 3 is the first time we see the picture of Jesus coming. He is the offspring. But I believe it's this promise of rest and reunification with God. The first promise in the waiting is rest and reunification with God, right? Because the unification between Adam and Eve and God had, had been broken. They, 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 they were in complete, total unity with God. But then because of their sin, because like our sin, we get separated from God. But Jesus is the promise of rest and reunification, because rest is so important. When, when we see the, the creation story, we see that, uh, you know, all the, the six days God did something, and on the seventh day, He rested, right? Everybody know that's what it says? And you know, it doesn't say, and then there was evening and morning the seventh day. You ever notice that it doesn't say that? Why? Because the rest that God has is not meant to only be day after day, but it's supposed to be a lifestyle. It's supposed to be in glory, it's supposed to be perfection, and that's what he had created, perfect rest with him, or communion with him, and that has been broken since then, and that's what heaven's supposed to be, perfect rest. Amen. Romans 16, 20 says, for God, for the God of peace will crush Satan's under his feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus will be with you. So, Genesis, he will crush your head. Romans, the Apostle Paul is saying, that's what happened. Jesus has won. So Jesus no longer was the baby in the manger, but he's the king of all kings, and he did crush Satan's head. So we can have freedom from sin and death. Adam and Eve had this, had this promise, right? This, this, this promise, this thing they were waiting for. And, and, and if you add up all of the ages in the Bible, in the Old Testament, right? Some people are like 900 and all this kind of stuff. If you add up all the ages, then we find that Adam and Eve lived about 4,000 years before Jesus came. Now we're about 2,000 years past that, so Adam and Eve were about 6,000 years or, you know, give or take-ish, 6,000-ish. That's a long time to wait, but it happened. 4,000-ish years later, Jesus came as the Messiah and fulfilled what was promised to Eve. 4,000 years later, but God fulfilled his promise. The promise of rest and reunification. Now we have the Holy Spirit who has been poured out, and we have Jesus who... who came humbly as a baby and died on the cross so that we can be in right standing with him now and we can have that reunification that was designed from the beginning. Because Jesus was the promised as the better than Adam. Jesus is promised as better than Adam to rebuild the rest and reunify mankind with God. That was the first reason he came was to rebuild our unification, our unity with God because he's the better Adam. And, and, and we see that in Hebrews, and I'm not going to go there, but the second reason Jesus came was he was the promise of family. Now, maybe, maybe as we go through all of these things that he was the promised king of or Messiah or Christ, you'll see that they're all different areas, and maybe one is the one that you're looking for. One is or maybe multiples, but he's the promise of family. In, again, in 
uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 19 through 22. And, and so, so we, we see this, uh, we, we know who Abraham is, right? Abraham is the father. Abraham had many sons, right? He actually had one son, but then his son had many sons. He had many grandsons, is actually theolo- theologically how it actually happened. But anyway, that's a kid's song. But so Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac became Israel, who, who had the, the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so to Isaac, right, because God said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to promise you something. Your people will be this. Your people will be that. And, and then he started waiting and waiting and waiting. But then it started coming to pass. And so... so, so God is telling Abraham that, yes, your, your wife Sarah will, be, uh, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac and it will establish my covenant with you as an everlasting covenant of his descendants after him. Now, every time we see this word everlasting, we see something more amazing than just people on earth. And as for Ishmael, right? You know the story of Ishmael, right? So, so God said, you're going to be a father of many nations. And, and, then, and then things happened. And in the waiting, he chose to, to sleep with his uh, wife's handmaiden and have a son. He's like, I'll figure it out. You know, in the waiting, I, I know how to fix this problem because the family problem is a real problem. A lot of us have a family problem. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your, your you know, household family. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your aunts, uncles, grandparents, whoever that is. A lot of us have a family problem, but Jesus is the promise of family unification, family rest, family re. Connecting. And so, so, so God's talking about this, and he's saying, why did you do this? Why didn't you just wait for me? And it had been about 10 years. It's too long. Abraham kind of messed up. So as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him, and I will make him fruitful and will increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But... My covenant I establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, God went away. So so even in the midst of the problem, God still brought rest and unification to Ishmael and Hagar. Even in the midst of, of, yeah, you know, we messed up. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I realized that that wasn't the best thing. But God is still so faithful that he cares for the mess-ups and the, the not-worth-its, the not-proper things. When, when family gets so difficult sometimes, God still cares about the difficult ones. But Abraham tried to fix the problem with Ishmael. It didn't quite work. Ishmael was still blessed, but Jesus came through Isaac. Jesus was the promise. He was promised as a better than Abraham and a better than Isaac. Or, so, so think about it this way, right? Abraham was the father of many nations. Isaac was the firstborn of the family. Jesus is the firstborn of Christ. He is the one, uh, so he is the firstborn of the everlasting family. He came to earth as a baby so that he could be the better Isaac. The one who comes and says, yep, I will hold fast to the faithfulness, to what God has promised. He's the promise of family the family situations that we struggle with, the family situations that, 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 that we just can't deal with. Christ knows. The Messiah cares. And that's why he came as a baby. The next thing is he's the promise of freedom. So if, if you know the story of Exodus, so we've moved from Genesis, now we're in Exodus. And so Exodus is, is when uh, the, the people of Israel went to 
Egypt, and now they're enslaved in Egypt. And so, so in Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, we see that Moses has been raised up, and now we know who Moses is, right? So Moses, God said to Moses, I am the Lord, I appeared to Abraham, oh. and I appeared to Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name I did not make myself fully known to them. I, will, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of Israel, of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians have enslaved. I have remembered my covenant with them. So, how long were the people of Israel in Egypt before this? 400 years, right. So between Genesis, the end of Genesis, and Exodus, we got another 400 years. So again, God is reminding someone, he's saying, I, I haven't forgotten, even though it's been so, so long, right? right? Adam and Eve, they, they, they died long before any of the promise was fulfilled. And then Abraham, he had to wait 10 years before he saw this baby. And in the, in the waiting, it was difficult. And now, now between Jacob and Moses, there's 400 years of this like, hey, I have given you a land, I have given you a promise, I've promised you something. Now 400 years have gone by and the people have fallen into slavery and they've fallen away from God and they, they're, they're, they're longing for something more. 400 years, it's a long time to wait. But he said, I haven't forgotten. God was reminding Moses that he hadn't forgotten. In the midst of our waiting, remember that even if we feel like it's been so long, God hasn't forgotten. There's never a time that, that God is unfaithful. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And if it's not in the time frame that we expect, keep hoping. God was reminding Moses and to remind the people that he was going to do something and it was going to be soon. Moses was going to bring freedom for the captive in Egypt. But it's amazing because because of Jesus coming, now we have a better freedom, a more complete freedom that we can truly see. And, and we see in Hebrews chapter 3 verse Verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your eyes on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one he appointed, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been fully found worthy of great honor, greater honor. Than Moses, just as the rebuilder of how of a house, the the builder of the house is greater than the house. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and He and we are. His house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and in the hope which is in glory. So Jesus came as the better Moses. And it's amazing, right? So what one of the other like like pictures that point to Jesus as Moses, right? Because we, we read from um, Exodus, and we just see that God is speaking to Moses. Well, why, well, why do we say that the Christ child is, is a better Moses? Well, because in Hosea 11, verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So if you remember, right, they had to flee to Egypt, and that's why they came out of Egypt, because, because Jesus is the more complete Moses. It's amazing. Jesus was the promise of a better Moses, becoming the way and the truth 
to complete freedom from slavery, not from a people group, but from sin and death. Jesus has so much that when, when we allow him to, to truly uh, take us out of our Egypt, whatever that looks like, the, the Egypt you may be living in may be, may be uh, hardships, may be struggles, may be addictions, may be um, you know, just not understanding, may be whatever, but all of us often go to an Egypt and we need Christ to help us get out of that area. The next thing is the promise of victory. So, we've waited 400 years, and now the promise of victory. I, I believe that God promise, God's promise to King David was the promise of victory. Because if you read through many of the Psalms, you, you see that, 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 that David was victorious over, over the, the enemy. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, though maybe we're not stuck in a, in a, you know, we're, we're connected to Christ. We know who he is. We don't need the rest, the re, re, reunification. And maybe the family that we're, we're with is great and it's just powerful and awesome. And maybe we're, we're not struggling with, with any kind of sin, whether it's outward or inward, and there's just things like that. Or, but maybe there's other things that just come on us and, and other people. But Jesus is the promise of victory. It says in Sam, 2 Samuel uh, verse, no, chapter 7, verse 11 through 16, and, uh, and have done since the time appointed to you. Oh, that's the middle of a sentence. Sorry. Let me just start at the end of, at that period. So halfway through verse 11, I will also give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you and your days are over when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors I will rise up your offspring to succeed you and your flesh and blood and I will establish his kingdom he is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom Forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So Jesus was promised, right? We know that, that throughout the Old Testament, it's still pointing to Christ coming as the Messiah and, and Jesus coming to earth, God's son coming to earth. And then in verse 16, it says, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. We know that physically, the throne of David is not still in existence. But it's because Jesus Christ is the king of victory, full and true victory. He will give you rest from all of your enemies if you choose him as your victory. Not the little baby, but the reigning king of all kings. The one who sits on the throne in heavenly places. The one who wins over all problems, who, who can stand. And so for the past 2,000 years, he is reigning from his sacrifice. So that we can have real victory over whatever thing is going on in us and through us. The promise of a better victory. It's amazing, right? So, so, so far we've, we've looked at all these people, right? So, so we see Adam and then, and then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Moses, and now King David. And so we, we see that, that this picture of Jesus is, is becoming very clear that if Jesus is really the better of all of these people... He's the best for you, no matter what situation you're going through. Maybe everything is perfect. Good for you. I don't think that's it. Maybe you're just missing something because this is earth, not heaven. So, But God is there for you if we keep holding on to the hope. In, in Micah 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, 
Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Those origins are from old, from ancient times, right? So we, we see that, that in Micah, it, it's again reminded that he's coming. He's coming, he's coming. The one is coming, and he's coming out of Bethlehem and Judah, which is where the wise men ended up going to Bethlehem. And in Matthew 1, the, the genealogy of Christ, we see that um, you can trace it all the way back to Adam, but, but it, uh, it goes through, through Obed, the mother of Ruth, and, and Obed, and Jesse, and, and David, and, and keeps going, and, and Hosea 13, 14, I will deliver his people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, is your plague? Where, O grave, is your destruction? I will have no compassion. It's amazing, right? Again, they're saying he's coming. Where, O death, is your sting? Why? Because he is the victor of victors. He is the reigning king over everything when when we feel like we are the 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 lowest of anything and we just can't handle it anymore he is the one who has overcome sin and death he frees you and he is able to keep you as a victor in the waiting in the family situations he has victory and maybe in the family situations the reason that that, that you don't have that, that, that connection, that unity, is because the person over there is the one who is maybe the enemy, but I will give you rest from your enemies. God is saying, I'll be there for you. Don't fight battles. Love people. 2 Timothy 1.10, but, uh, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I will establish your kingdom forever. David and, and his men were mighty warriors. They had victory over all others. They, they, they never lost a fight. You know, some of, the, some of the mighty men of David are pretty amazing. They're just like, oh yeah, casually, he just like, you know killed this many guys, killed that many guys. One guy, like, decided to hunt a lion with his bare hands and, you know, things like that. Like, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. But these men did not last forever because Christ is the better King David because he gives you victory forever over death. Not just over your enemy, but the ultimate enemy who is death. Right, when we, when we look at that, right, the, the biggest fear for most people is death and, well, or speaking. But, but we see this, this idea that, that the biggest enemy, the one that we can't win against, is dying. But Jesus gives you victory over that. And those people in our lives who we, who we look at, and maybe they're, they're the ones who, who are clearly having problems and they're, they're struggling and they're on the path to destruction. Let's help them find forever life, immortality because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he is the king over death. He holds the keys of Hades. Keys to death. Revelation says Christ is the better king. He is the king of all kings. He is from the line of David that has been established forever. And he always keeps his promise. In the midst of that hardships, Christ is the king who conquered death. It's amazing, right? Because a lot of times we, we, we talk about this idea of, of you, know, you know, babies being born and, and people dying and this, this idea of like, oh yeah, you know, we succeeded, you know, I don't know, not succeeded, but like, you know. When babies are born, it's a sign of new life and, and Jesus coming as a baby. He could have come down as the king. It's just, I'm here. I rule now. But this idea that even in 
the Christ child as a baby, he was saying, yep, I still win over death. The next thing is the promise, the last thing that he promised in the Old Testament is the promise of power. I believe that Jesus, in, in the Old Testament, he promised power to come. So he, he, he promised rest and reunification. He promised a family. And maybe that doesn't look like a family here on earth, but that looks like a heavenly family. This, this body of Christ, this, the other bodies of Christ, that, that we, we, we become his family forever. But he also promises power. I believe that's through this idea of Elijah. And, and if you know who Elijah is, he was a man in, after King David, and he, he was the one who pointed people to God. And so he, he fought with, with the prophets of Baal, and, and he was trying to help people come back to God and, and have salvation and help from God. In first, he's, from, he's in 1 Kings but then the very last verse of the Old Testament mentions Elijah. But Elijah, if you know what, what happened, he, he, he did things like, like prayed and there was no rain, called fire down from heaven, raised people from the dead. Elijah had a lot of power, powerful miracles that, that we see that, that happened through this, this man, Elijah, because God was with him. But then in the very last very last verse of the New Testament in Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. The end. So if you're, if you're Jewish, that's it. That's the end. You ever thought about that? Or else I will strike the land with total destruction. But Elijah's coming. Elijah, and, and so it's amazing, right? It doesn't actually say, it, so, the, so the prophet Elijah is this example of great power. Somebody who will change the hearts of people, will bring people back to God, and, and there will be mighty, miracle-working power coming again. But then it ends. And then between that verse and Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, there's another 400 years. Again, it's a long time. So between Adam and Eve and Matthew chapter 1, 4,000 years waiting for this promise but God is still faithful this reminder of the hope right so so in in Malachi the the, the people of Israel and Judah because they were separated by then they they had fallen away from God and they you know they were under attack all the time and they were they were they needed a miracle and then it waited and then the temple was destroyed after that. And, and, and there's just, there's just so many terrible things happening. This Elijah was not a ghost or a dead man, but John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, we know, is he was, um, he was destined to be the... the the one crying out in the wilderness, as he said, right? And so, so we see that in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, that I, uh, John the Baptist is, is, again, just like God said to Abraham, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. He will be, in verse 14, he will be the delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many, uh, many of the people of Israel 
to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and, and, and the disobedient and to, the wisdom, uh, to the wisdom of the righteous, and he will make ready the people prepared for the Lord. John understood that he was not the Messiah or the Christ, or the eternal king, or the, 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 the new uh, high priest or prophet. He knew he was just in the spirit of Elijah, and the power that he had was not for him, but the power that he had was for someone greater, and he was coming. He said, I baptize with water for repentance, but, but after me comes one who will baptize you in who is more powerful than I, and whose sandals I am not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the promise of power. It's amazing. He's the promise of the better Elijah. The prophet Elijah was amazing, right? And, and there's... There's, there's many people who are still waiting for the prophet Elijah to show up and bring back the power of God to earth. But the prophet Elijah came in spirit in John and, and was pointing to the true king of power, who is Jesus Christ. He came to bring power through the, through the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I believe many of us, all of us, believe that 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 power is available today. And so all these other things that, that, that we've talked about, the promise of, of God, they all get wrapped up in this idea of if we allow him to be our strength, to be our all, to be our power, then we will have rest and reunification. We will have, have family. And, and if that's not family on earth, but that's you know a godly family. And we will have uh, victory and we will have all of these things that God helps us. Why? Because he entrusts us with mighty miracle-working power as a community. Because he baptizes with fire, not just with water. So don't lose hope. The everlasting king is coming soon. He's coming. He, he came as a baby and... He is coming again because he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lo lo yeah, the Lord of all lords, and he is coming soon. But remember, soon is a fairly relative term. <laughs> because Adam and Eve waited four thousand years and, and and you know, Abraham only had to wait ten, but you know, it was a little bit less. But then we had four hundred years and four hundred years and and all of this time, and then even the disciples had to wait for the Holy Spirit after Jesus died. Go in the upper room and wait for that power. So the King, the everlasting King, the Lord of Lords, He is coming soon. But if that looks like something today or that looks like something thousands of years from now beyond our lifetime, let's still be faithful and and hope and know that he is coming soon. And let's do our part to not be like Abraham. Oh, well, we'll fix it ourselves, but say, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to trust you in this, in this unification, in this family situation, in this slavery that I'm currently in, in this wilderness that I'm in. Because... Jesus is the better son, the better king, the better priest, the better prophet. And if we join with him, we can be in right standing with God and be one with him. Jesus said, my people will be one as we are one, right? And if you study the Trinity and all that kind of stuff, God and Jesus are like the same. 
So we're supposed to be one in unity, but it takes mighty miracle working power because we all struggle. We all struggle with some of those things, all of those things. Maybe it's, well, I'm struggling with this waiting and this, this, this thing I'm doing over here. And now, I, oh, thanks, God. You, you helped me. Fit, you know, we, we got through this. And, and then you just run into another problem and you're like, oh, man, now I'm struggling over here with, with this one. We all struggle in different ways and different times. But you know what? God will always bring unity in his family and with him if we are willing to accept the Christ, the King of all kings. So I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? So think about it as we, as we continue. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for um, something going on? Maybe you're waiting for this message to end. Maybe you're longing for, for rest, reconnection with God. Maybe you feel like you've, you, you, you've become far away and, and you just don't know what's going on. You feel like you, you're not connecting with, with who he is anymore. Maybe you're longing for family problems and how to fix this. Maybe you're longing for freedom or victory in your life and, and there's just things that are holding you, holding you in, in something Maybe you're longing for a powerful move of God, personally, collectively. What are you longing for or waiting for? Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been a short time. But again, time is very relative. Soon is very relative. Long time is very relative. So don't judge someone else on their perspective of a long time or soon because we're all different. Just because it may have been an easy wait for you, may not have been an easy wait for somebody else. We're all longing for something as we all come to the king saying, you are our king. Help me to be the best citizen, the best co-laborer, the best follower of you. We can help each other in that longing so that we don't fall to, to, the, to the problems as Abraham and as David did in the waiting, in the trying to fix the problem and, and trying to do it ourselves. But be like John and say, I just do this. There is one greater. Let me tell you about the one greater. Let me tell you about the one who gives with fire. Let me tell you about the one who has real power. I, I just have this down here, and, and, but he's the one with real power. He came as a baby, but he lives forever seated at the right hand of God. So as you're, as you're waiting, don't lose hope. Know that there's never, it's never too long. There's always something better coming. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea before the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawning. In the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our hoping, there is a light coming. You know, when we feel like we can't figure out what's, what's wrong, why we can't fix the problem, why, the, why this is happening, why we're not, you know, connecting and all this kind of stuff, there is a light in the darkness. And he is here. Sometimes the problems that we, we experience may take longer than we hoped but start walking in the light and out of the darkness of fear, worry, anger, jealousy, regret, and complacency. Sometimes we just get complacent into the hope of the perfect coming king because he is coming again soon. Whatever that means to you, to me, he's coming soon. So let's be faithful today.
knowing that he is the better Adam, the better Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the better King David, the better Moses, the better Elijah. You get to have better. So how do we make sure that we're focusing on the hope and we're not, we're not losing sight of our hope? Well, we read from Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, share in the holy calling and fix your eyes on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Fix your eyes on Jesus in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the the wishing in the midst of the, the hardships, in the midst of the, the good times, in the midst of the, well, I'm just bored now times. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the better in all situations. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, that means, that means spending time in the word of God. That means uh, picking up your Bible and reading it. That means praying and and. and with, with prayer, one of the things that I encourage you, as we're looking again toward next year in January, we're going to have uh, a time of prayer and fasting. And so we're also going to have a time of a, of a 12-7 prayer room. So what that looks like is, is the first week of January as a, as a collective. I want us to, to prayer and to go into prayer and fast for, for the next year, for the coming year. And, and here at the church, we're going to have set up a place where you can come and spend time praying and, and seeking God in different areas and, and, and help with, with, with what it means to, to let things go. And, and so from 8 in the morning till 8 at night, there'll be just someone here. And if that could be you, let me know. If you want to be a person who says, yeah, I can sit here and just talk to people or pray with people. Let me know. Because that first week of January is going to be a powerful time of, of saying, you know what, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because I'm struggling with this or because I see there's struggles with that. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus through prayer. Let's come together and pray as the body of Christ. And also building relationships. Are you building godly relationships? That's another way we can... We can make sure we're fixing our eyes on, on Jesus because if we're spending so much time with those who don't have our same point of view, we're going to end up getting confused and maybe struggle like David. Wrong place at the wrong time causes real problems. And starting in January, we're going to have small groups again. So make sure you join one. I'm going to have one on Monday nights. It's going to be a lot of fun. I told, told our group about it, and Steve is real excited about what I said about it. So if you want to find out more information, I'll let you know. But make sure you're getting together with, with, other, with other people and coming together. And if you would like to run a, a small group and you say, you know what, I've, I've read a book, I've, I've done a study, and I just want to encourage people and I want to be a, be a person because God has, God has given me some, something to share, let me share it, then we can come together as the body of Christ and grow together. And when we build more relationships, we become stronger because as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And that's the whole point, right? Because we can sit here and do this and I can keep talking and talking and talking, but so many of you have so much to share also. So make sure that you are taking advantage of the gifts and the power that God has given to each one of you. So as I close, I just I just want to I just want to say, wait with expectation. So as we go into the Christmas season, as 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 we're talking about you know Christ as as a little baby and people. People waited for him for thousands of years, and now we don't have to wait anymore, but there's still so many people who are waiting for, for, for things to be fixed in their lives or, or for something better. Maybe what they're waiting for is the Christ child. So with the cards or with, with whatever, share the love of Christ with someone this week, this month, 
make sure that, that the, the power of the celebration of Christ's birth is not lost with us. And maybe you don't know anybody who's not a Christian. If that's the case, Walmart has a lot of people. But wait with expectation because God will always fulfill what he has promised. Amen? Whether it's a long time or a short time, he will always fulfill. And then lastly, Hebrews 3.14 says, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as firmly as we, when we first believed, we will, sh- we will share in all that belong to Christ. Do you want to share in all that belong to Christ? Unity, family, victory, salvation, freedom. Do you want to share in that? Stay faithful and don't give up hope because he is faithful. Would you stand with me as I, as I pray? Lord God, I thank you so much that you are faithful. I thank you that, that no matter what is happening, we can trust in you. And, and no matter if things take forever, whatever forever looks like, there is always a soon res- resolution. There is a soon coming, a soon victory, a soon uh, rest, a soon family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us the, the ability to be a part of this, this power, be a part of this, this fire, be a part of this great family, Lord God. Help us to, to honor you, Lord God, each and every person here. Help us to fix our eyes on you, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, Lord God, and who is, you are the king and the, the Lord and the, the high priest that we can run to and give all of our cares to because you care for us. Help us, Lord God, to, to stir in our hearts and excitement, knowing that one day our waiting will be honored with the fulfillment of your promise. Thank you that that you are so faithful. And I ask, Lord God, that you help us to be faithful with with what you have given us, with our tithes and our offerings, Lord God. Thank you so much that that you give us the opportunity to, to give back to you, Lord God, to help us to fix our eyes on you through the act of giving back to you. Time, talent, and treasure, Lord God. Thank you so much that that you help us in all these areas to be joyful and cheerful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless and have a great day.